My name is Laurette Clear. I'm an educator, dementia practitioner, and the founder of Nana's Books. My thoughtfully curated collection of books with over 25 different titles has a little something for everyone. A caregiver remarked recently that these books are the Swiss army knives of engagement because they do it all in any stage. These happy, inclusive books center on the passages of life and simple pleasures that are timeless, relatable, and generative. The books consider layout, predictable format, oversized fonts, and nostalgic images bring back connection one page at a time. For more information, go to nanasbookseries.com and browse the collection, which is linked with one click to Amazon. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel and I'm Maria and we're the hosts of Remember Me. This podcast is dedicated to preserving the memories of those diagnosed with dementia. We hope this episode helps you feel more connected, provides a deeper understanding, and allows you to learn to accept the good. Always, always accept the good. This is Remember Me. Today, you get to listen to our first ever in-person recorded interview. We got a chance to do an interview with our friend Stacy when I was in LA last week. And Stacy is amazing. She's an actress, she's a singer-songwriter, she's a comedian. She followed in her father's footsteps. He was big in the entertainment industry and It was an awesome first in-person interview, and it's just a very different vibe to be able to talk to someone face-to-face. So it's very relaxed, and you can tell we're so comfortable with each other, and we just really enjoyed it, and we hope you guys do too. So today, we are sitting in our friend Stacy's apartment <laughs> in Los Angeles, California, doing our first ever in-person interview for Remember Me. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We've got a whole like professional setup here, guys. Thanks. We <laughs> we have made it. <laughs> so first question is going to be the same in person as well okay so today we are talking about your dad rusty and our first question is when did you start to feel like something was different with your awesome dad rusty my awesome dad rusty um that's a really good question he got diagnosed in july of 2020 i would say i was crashing with them for a minute it was December of 2019, and I just noticed that it was short-term memory loss. And my dad had a <laughs> wicked sense of humor and would, you know, I know there's no swearing and stuff on the podcast, so I'm going to edit what he would say. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, he was from Oceanside, Long Island, so his mouth reflected that. But he would say, oh, I can't remember a mm, thing, right? And he would call it the craft. Um, and so... But that started to up and up more. Um, And he 
we had a family history of dementia. So it was, I would say December, 2019, but I was working so much that I didn't really notice it Mm -hmm. until August of 2020. And even when he got diagnosed, I thought everyone was crazy. I was like, oh, this is just depression. This is just COVID. He's, this is age. He doesn't have Alzheimer's and dementia. And I think, you know, my mom and my dad wanted to protect my sister and I as much as they could from the information for a while. But then I really started to see a downhill, because uh, he had Lewy body dementia. I saw, I saw a, a steep decline, I would say, by January of 2021. I know that for Maria and I and a lot of the people that we've interviewed, it's like the behavior is very wacky. Did yeah. your dad display any of that or was it more like the memory you know it's interesting I when he first got diagnosed he got diagnosed with the progressive Alzheimer's in January of 2020 and then he got diagnosed with the Lewy body dementia in July of 2020 and it wasn't until the dementia diagnosis within five to six months of that where I saw the behavioral shifts and then once he was put into his long-term care facility, and even I would say a month before that, the occurrences of him not recognizing me or my mom or my sister amped up. He was having hallucinations. Uh, and then on Father's Day of 2021, he and I had gotten into a fight. And he started screaming at me, which he never did, even on his worst day. So that was like... I had that I was taken aback by how violent that anger was. And I'll never forget it. I had taken him to a Menchie's in Los Angeles. And, you know, this was after he was new with his diagnosis of the dementia and it was getting worse. And he said, you know, do you have any questions you want to ask me? And I said, I want to hear whatever you want to tell me. And the conversation, you know, degraded downward. And then all of a sudden he started screaming at me while Sister Sledge's We Are Family was playing in the background. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I was like, uh, I, so here I am openly weeping in public, not a fan, also at a Menchie's where there's like sticky yogurt everywhere and we are families playing in the background and my father's screaming at me and I'm like, this is a core memory and it's not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a couple of questions because as you know, it's a little different from a lot of the stories we hear that are more FTD focused. Sure. So when you found out at first, like an Alzheimer's type diagnosis, did you know that someone could be affected with Alzheimer's at that younger age? No. I, I'm usually, you know, I, I'm a self-professed nerd and I love to research things and I like to, any situation, whether it's professional or personal, I like to have all of the information ahead of time and walk into the room fully informed. And this was the first time even when my father had coronary artery disease and he was in and out of the hospital with heart surgeries, you know, since I was 16, I researched coronary artery disease and I was like a master mm-hmm. in knowing what foods to eat. Da, da, da. With this, you couldn't pay me enough money to research it. I was, all I knew was that with dementia, didn't know there were different kinds of dementia, by the way, right. until I started I listening to your guys' podcast, mm-hmm. BT Dubs. Had no idea. I was like, oh, there's just one kind of dementia, and it's the worst. Um, (laughs) It's you're catching me on a good day where my grief is not crippling me to the point where I'm like, the full the sofa I is fully reclined. Mm. We've taken all of the edibles. We can do that if you if it turns. (laughs) (laughs) I'm holding on to Lenny, my emotional support dog, who is an old Jewish man, and I love him very much. Um, 
I want to, so I guess with FTD, it's like you're acting weird and we're going to get you seen by a doctor. What led you guys to be like, "Mm, dad is not, we need to get medical intervention? It was my mom, actually. Um, Because again, my sister and I, so you have to keep in mind, pandemic, it's 2020. Mm -hmm. So my mom was living with him, you know, day in, day out. And his short-term memory was disappearing at a rapid rate. And then he was having hallucinations. He kept seeing people in their apartment. He kept seeing people who had passed away. And once he got diagnosed with the dementia, you know, it wasn't until I would say six months after that dementia diagnosis when then my mom started getting, you know, care in the house because she was caretaking 24-7. Even with my sister and I, like, helping out when we could. Um, You know, it was COVID. We all lived fairly close to each other. But that was... I would say the hallucinations, my mom was like, I think we need to get a second opinion because my dad apparently did the first Alzheimer's test in January. They had a specialist, didn't like, which I think January is a 2020. running... Hmm? January 2020. January 2020. Yeah. And I think this is a running theme with people who go to seek help for FTD or Alzheimer's diagnosis. And I'm not, I don't want to generalize with a lot of medical professionals, but a running theme I see and what I've heard, especially on the podcast, you know, both of you guys talking about your experiences is people go, oh, well, you get this handed, this diagnosis, good luck, yeah. right? Like, what right, happened to your right. mom? Like, and that nice happened life. to my dad. Yeah. my The first day he got frustrated with the test and stormed off. My dad had a short temper, something I inherited and thanks to therapy I've worked on. <laughs> shout out therapy. Shout out to therapy. Oh, man. Shout out to therapy and grief shopping. I am a Oh, my gosh. Um, you and I both. <laughs> we can talk about grief shopping and self-care in a minute. But yeah, so that's what um, that's what, what landed him there. And then my mom said, once the hallucination started, you know, she said, I think we need to get a second opinion and I think we need to look. And they found someone through his cardiologist and a doctor they really liked. And also, thank God my mother sells long-term care insurance and has been in that field for a long time and is an expert in it. And they had a plan that no longer exists anymore. Um, And that's how he was able to get into his nursing facility, which is a whole other debacle. Okay, I have another question. Sure. So you guys get the diagnosis. Actually, I have two. Was he aware? Was he aware of what was happening, number one? Number two, when did you guys make the decision and how to put him in a facility? That's a great question. So he knew... He knew what was happening when he got diagnosed. And the first question he apparently asked, according to my mom, was, how long do I have? Right? I mean, he was like, and he was so sad at the fact of things he was going to miss. Like, that was, you know, the conversation I had with him at that Menchie is, you know, he said, I want you to know I'm going to be there every step of the way. I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm going to be there for you no matter what. And even though, yeah, even though I'm not going to be here in body, I'm going to be, I'm going to be right there with you, kid. Like, he always called me kid. And, and then, you know, when I said he mentioned something about his will or whatever, and I made some snide remark and that's what I said something and it triggered that huge explosive reaction. And then we hear, we are there. It's just, I was like, this is a real God whoopsie. Um, that is not my term, by the way, that is uh, by Michelle Wolf, who's a great comic if you are looking to watch stand up. Um, but so that was, so he was aware when he first got diagnosed, he was like, petrified he was so scared because my dad's favorite thing about himself was his brain 
So this, he was angry. He was like, you know, he was 68 years old when he passed. He was very, you know, and he had six different heart surgeries. So I had wow. been there since I was 16, prepared for my dad to drop dead any moment, which is not a great place to be either. And my dad and I were like this. We were like twin souls. Still are. Um, my dog will literally bark at things that are not here. And I'm like, oh, hi, dad. Um, yeah. Right? Hi, Rusty. Yeah, the blown glass piece. And then the other question. So my dad is also another trait I inherited from him. He's very stubborn. So the week of, the first week of September of 2021, my sister bumped up her wedding. She was supposed to get married end of October. But she was like, uh, stuff was just happening really fast. So it was the Jewish year. It was Rosh Hashanah. And I was singing at the Thousand Oaks Civic Center. My parents came to see me that day. My dad didn't recognize me. I'll tell you about all the things that happened that day. But it was like Rosh Hashanah, my parents' 43rd wedding anniversary, my sister's wedding. And then on the 11th of September, my dad had an, a manic episode where he thought my mother was a terrorist and like, trying to kill him and kidnapping. And this is, I, I have a, I mean, I've worked in comedy for a long time. This is how dark my humor is. So please feel free to edit this out. <laughs> I was like, any other day, Dad, except September 11th. Yes. To think you're my mom is a terrorist. On September 10th, I think she's if a terrorist. That triggered him. Like, I, I wonder if he knew the day. I think he did. I think he did. And, you know, so on September 11th, he ends up getting hospitalized. We were scheduled to put him into Motion Picture Home to start a transition to his memory care facility literally three days before he had his attack. So. I had this feeling, I said, you know, to myself, he's waiting for my sister to get married. And then the minute he, she gets married, he's done. And the next day, the day after the wedding, he got hospitalized. And I, I feel like the voicemail happens. I sent you guys, yes. that was his last phone call. And it was like within an hour after that phone call that I missed that he was hospitalized. So can you tell us more about this manic? Like what, I understand what it, but was it just... Yeah, it is and just like just that. So Louis switched. body dementia, I think at that point, one of the doctors that was taking care of him, you know, he said, oh, well, he's got stage five or six Louis body. And so Louis body dementia. Do they have seven... stages of Louis? Oh, oh yes. This I... is a fun fact. There are seven stages of Louis body. So at the time he's like, yeah, I think he's at stage six. I said, so what? I go, I'm sorry. Cancer stops at four. So right. like quick, quick question, doc. I was like. This Quick doesn't question. sound good. This doesn't sound good. I was like, what do you mean? I go, so what happens after stage seven? He goes, oh, you die. And I literally said, mm, your bedside manner is very reminiscent of an elephant in an antique store. Chef's kiss. <laughs> said that to the doctor. But but yeah, so there are seven stages of Louis body. And what Louis, one of the things about Louis body is the manic episodes where it switches on a dime. So case in point, my dad and I... So on Rosh Hashanah, I take him and my mom for lunch afterward. And my mom and my sister were going to get their nails done for her wedding. So my dad and I would go to this place 20 minutes out past Malibu called Point Lagoo. The we'll best beach to go. around. It is the best beach around. There's picnic tables. It's my favorite spot. No one really knows about it except for all the people that are listening to this podcast. Um, hashtag Point Lagoo. So we drove to Point Lagoo. But before we did, you know, I said, okay, dad, we're going to change, and, you know, and then we're going to go. And my mom had laid clothes out for him, and it was like 10 minutes go by. And I said, Dad, you okay? He goes, yeah, can you, can you just help me find my clothes? I came in, and he had pulled out every piece of clothing out of every drawer. And he was looking around, utterly lost. Just so like, confused. So confused. And just like, 
my dad would never hurt a fly. So mm-hmm. his disposition was just teddy bear all the way. And so I said, oh, and I pretended, you know, with dementia, you don't, you agree, you right, don't, right, you right, don't point right. out that anything's weird. So like, this is why I'm a professionally trained actor. I was like, okay, we're going to compartmentalize. We're going to, and I was like, oh, don't worry, dad. Here. And I pulled out shorts and the t-shirt and I said, do you need help? Are you okay? He goes, no, I got it. I'm fine. And he came back out 15 minutes later and he was in his shirt, underwear, shoes and sneakers. And he's like, okay, let's go. And I was like, oh. No doubt, we gotta put pants on, and I've never, I've never heard such a. Uh, he said to me, "I was like, it makes sense." He goes, "But I'm already wearing shorts. I, why would I put shorts on top of my shorts?" And I was like, "I don't make the work rules for underwear. You just have to put shorts on." <laughs> I take him to Point Magoo. He's totally fine, but he's tired and he's, you know, kind of in and out. And we're driving back because he was. My dad loved, was so devotedly in love with my mom. He was just always worried about her. So we were at Point Magoo for maybe 15, 20 minutes, sitting in my car watching the waves because he was unsteady on his feet at the time. And I said, well, let's go back. We're driving back. And it was like an FM, like the the station changed. And I could feel the frequency kind of change. And he looked at me and he said, please forgive me. I know you've told me this before, but where did you go to college? And I said, oh, I went to Western Washington University. He goes, I tell you, what a small world. My daughter went to Western Washington University. So thankful I have a fancy car where no one, even if they don't have FTD or Alzheimer's, can't figure out how to open the door. Thank you, Mercedes. Um, So I I become hyper aware that I'm like, okay, I'm on PCH. I am afraid he's going to try and get out of the car. So I'm going to keep him calm and I'm going to get him home. Everything is to get him home. Traumatic. PCH is where you don't stop. Like P- yeah, it's a going. windy, it's yeah. a windy. So it's the Pacific Coast Highway for those who are not Angelinos or not highway aficionados. Um, Pacific Coast Highway. It's two lanes. You do not stop. You. It's very windy. So a lot of the work I've been doing recently is the active trauma that I experienced once he got to that level of having to take care of things, especially in his is once he got to his care facility. Um, the active trauma of going to each one of those visits. And at the same time, I was dealing with my first real relationship crumbling to bits um, because he had been cheating on me while I put my dad in hospice. So it was like I had trauma from a few different sources. Right, right. But the trauma too is like the you don't know what you're going to get. If your dad is changing the drop of a hat with no warning, your shoulders are tensing. What am I going to get today? Is he going to try and open the car? Is he going to think I'm a stranger is he gonna think I'm gonna harm him yeah is he-, he thought I was a copy that day he thought he was like you know so the whole time questioning me and he was he was asking questions that stage of his dementia he was like okay well if you're my daughter answer this well if you're my daughter and he did this with my mom too. Like we're testing he- you yeah testing me and he tested my mom too and and I'm down 75 pounds since last January so family members of mine were like oh it's because you're you know you're you look different now and I'm like I don't think that's true but like whatever um yeah so he would he he a lot of times he would go home and my mom would be there and he would say well you're not the real Jill and she'd have to pull out the wedding album and she'd have to like, you know, and a lot of FTD where she, he would look at her and go, well, you don't look like that. And she's like, you don't look like that either. 
the no filter. Right, no filter. But so yeah. I have I have a couple of questions about the progression sure. of everything. It sounds like there were like these big life events and like just really dramatic decline yeah. from 2019 to he passed in December, December. 2021. Yeah, so it was. So he his dementia diagnosis happened in July or August of like end of July, beginning of August of 2020, and then he got hospitalized September. Uh, 21 and then he passed away december 16th 2021 so it was like two months from the time he had his attack basically um, or three months rather september october november yeah so it was a really quick decline it was really fast yeah it, it was and bad. do you feel like that's we don't we're not as familiar with louis body do you think that's the louis like Louis body from what I've what I've learned now it's very aggressive mm-hmm. um, and I've I've had people on different sides of this where they say you're lucky that it was so fast oh yeah people like are any of us lucky at all right I know yeah no no I'm I say I'm like this is the worst club with the best members yes <laughs> like every every person that's a member of this club right. hates that they're a member but but the people that I've met, like, I still need to find a grief group in L.A. that's not people that are m- my parents' age. Yeah. Yeah. Those are a lot of, that's the really hard thing where it's like losing a parent so young. And he was so active, too. So that was part of the problem. So the Louis body not only turns very violent right. and aggressive. Um, you know, one of the last times I saw him uh he had he was trying to drag me into another residence room and screaming at me um and then the last time i saw him conscious they had sedated him and he was like crumpled on the floor between his bed and a nightstand and like my dad was very clear about his end of life wishes mm-hmm. he was like the minute i can't bathe feed clothe myself i don't want to be here the minute i can't remember your mom you your sister i don't want to be here the minute I can't live with your mom, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And so on some level, I think it is a testament to how strong the Louis body was because my dad was really healthy. He was an active 68-year-old yeah, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was the youngest resident there. Yep. Yeah. And so he was tearing things off of walls. He was, and he was, a, you know, a, 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 a thick, <laughs> a thick ginger Jewish gentleman. <laughs> Um, who is the reason I have freckles, um, you know, so I think, I think that was, that's what was so hard was to see him struggle and knowing that that's not the life that he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the trauma too, I know we're talking a lot about trauma this season, which people seem to really love and enjoy because it's very validating. Yeah. We think of trauma as a whole host of other things. But this experience of like you're living your life and suddenly out of nowhere your parent has a terminal illness. They tell you there's nothing they can do. They're not themselves anymore. Their personality, their whole being is changing in front of you. And you're just trying to take care of them. And then they're gone. And you're like, what just happened? You blink and you're like, what just happened? The last however many years. Yeah, I think there was trauma from, you know, my dad, when I was 16, 
he had his first heart episode and he had what they call a widow maker. Mm. So my dad had a full metal jacket. Every artery was stented. And then my mom had cancer twice. So I grew up, and I had my own health challenges growing up as well, so it was like I grew up with the, the knowledge that this could end any minute. Very, very terrified. acutely aware. Terrified. And also, like, you add that Jewish guilt on top of it, and it's just like oh, the Jewish every, guilt. not every outfit needs a hat is a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the active trauma of, you know, I've described this disease. This is how I describe Lewy body dementia and Alzheimer's in general or any FTD. Imagine you're sitting in your home, like we're sitting here in my apartment, and someone who looks like my dad walks into my home and starts setting things on fire and tearing things up. He's, and I'm immobile. I can't, I'm sitting on my sofa. I can't do anything. I can't make him stop. And he's not taking anything of monetary value. He is only ruining family videos, photos, art projects, Mm -hmm. things that are irreplaceable, you know. And that's what this disease is. It, it is it's worse than a robbery mm-hmm. because you're getting robbed by someone who looks, walks, talks, mm. except doesn't act like the person you've loved your whole life. Like my dad was my best friend, you know, and he is such a huge part of why I'm in the, the fields of you know business that I'm in. My sense of humor comes from him. I always like to think that all of, you know, and I wrote this, you know, when I wrote um, Forget Me Not, all, you know, I talk about like all the best parts of him are in me. And even when I released Forget Me Not, right? So he gets, he got diagnosed August, 2020. I wrote that song in October. It got released in December of 2020. Mm. I couldn't tell anybody that he was sick. He did not want anyone to know Mm. because he was still trying to work and he was, you know, he was in. He voted for the Oscars and was an Academy member and did film marketing and, you know, it, so he didn't want. He already had enough pressure being older and working in the business, and being a consultant, and he didn't want anyone to think there was anything wrong with him. Mm-hmm. So all the verbiage you see from the original release, it's someone very close to me, someone I love. Yeah. yeah. And that's traumatic. Trying to hide it from everybody because you just want to shout it from the rooftops my dad is dying yeah and my dad i is want dying. somebody to look at me and say it's gonna be okay because he can't do it yeah it's yeah you said it right when you were like they just come in and you're like what are you doing what, yeah. what do you why are you knocking over that candle like what yeah it's why are you tearing up why are you smashing the the teacup i made for you in, in third grade why why are you taking our home movies and like t- taking the tape out and you know ruining it and setting it on fire and when it is your person, yeah. like he was right. my person that I, you know, when I talked to him every day, mm-hmm. you know. So at first I was like, I can't believe I missed his last phone call. Mm. Um, and his, his, his nurse, you know, uh, at Ocean Picture Home, which I, I can't say enough good things about the team that's there. Um, you know, she said to me, she goes, thank goodness you have that because a phone call you might not remember, but at least you have. And it is literally everything you could, you know, want in a message. It's just, it, the, what happens is the grief, like, it hits me all of a sudden. Yes. And it is, I say it grief. Smacks like, you in the face. It smacks you in the face. It's a grief is an ocean, mm-hmm. right? It's always there. Sometimes right. it's serene and beautiful, and you're like, wow, look at this beautiful ocean. Sometimes 
she a little wavy and you're like oh look at those storms are brewing and then sometimes a volcano erupts right <laughs> and tectonic plate shifts and a tsunami comes and you're in the middle of a cvs just trying to buy floss and then <laughs> you're crushed and then right. you are i'm not even the cute like i just have one too <laughs> Romantic no comedy it's class. like full the body full, like experience the full body like every part of you shuddering i've never been so grateful wearing a face mask in public at a cvs oh, because yep. i was like thank god for covid and my vanity <laughs> working together at last <laughs> Thank goodness. So, yeah. so one thing about grief that I think is very unique about this experience that we've all had is you're grieving like different, a couple different people in your mind because your dad was different in the last few years of his life. Yeah. And that's the image or even his body, I'm yeah. sure looked different. Yeah. I mean, my mom was, didn't look anything like herself when she yeah. passed. And then you're also grieving that beautiful relationship, your person. And so how, I mean, you're only three months since his actual passing. Like, can you describe what it's like in your mind to, like, when you're thinking about him? Like, who are you thinking about? Did it all come back to you who he really was? Were you able to keep that with you even when he was different? Like... Yeah, I mean, and I would also add a third part to the grief. I think I'm also grieving the future. Right. Like, I I am at a point in my career where things are really starting to, you know, knock on diamonds, take off. Like, I have a film project that's coming up. I have, you know, my songs that are coming out that are, I'm playing, you know, Hotel Cafe next month, which I'm going to tell you. And it's like, listen, I'm single right now. I'm grieving the fact that, like, fingers crossed, whenever I do get married, he's not going to be there to walk me down the aisle. When I have kids, he's not going to be there for them. He's not going to see my nephews grow up who are, like, two and three years old and, like, the cutest things ever. And he loved, he loved being a grandfather. He was the the kind of grandfather that wore the shirt, you know, had the Godfather logo, but it's at the grandfather. He was... The daddiest dad. Uh, world's you know, best grandpa. World, oh, yeah. World's <laughs> best grandpa. The, the grandfather. Um, I remember in high school he when he discovered online screen printing, he got Citron University t-shirts for everybody. <laughs> and he pretended like it was a real place. And we would go to the grocery store. And so we're like, oh, Citron University. Is that a good school? It's and my dad, would, <laughs> my dad was like, yep. It's, it's a stick. Top notch. Oh. He would not blink an eye, and he would try and sell them on Citron University. Rusty. That sounds fun. He, he was, he, and he was the dad, and I and I say this completely unbiasedly. Like my sister also has the same feelings about it. He was the dad that all of our friends mm-hmm. came to for dad advice. He was the he was the cool dad. He was the fun dad. He was the he was everybody's dad. He was everybody's dad, and he was so like such a puddle of love and like he would he would help you put a piece of furniture together he would give you directions he would tell you where to get the best like hot dog he would tell like he would he would talk to anybody about anything so I you know my dad was the most gregarious you know walk into a room not know anybody and then walk away being everybody's best friend because that's just who he was Um, so I definitely, you know, I mourn that and I mourn, you know, he never missed a show. He came, you know, my, my first TV show thing that I booked, he sent me flowers when he was living in, you know, they were living in Seattle and I was living here 
And um, so I, I grieve that. Right. I gr- And I do grieve when I saw him, you know, I, I still have a lot of guilt about when I saw, when I saw him the last time before I went to Nashville, before he passed, um, him just slumped over and I was just so sad that he was alone. Mm-hmm. He wasn't at home. He was the, his quality of life was nowhere near what it should have been. And I was enraged at the staff that was there. Um, and I still kind of have some hot takes on that. <laughs> uh, you know, and I also like, I I just mourn that he's not here in the way that I want him to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, that I can't call him and get advice on, you know, because he was a talent manager, you know, for big comedians. And um, he would be the one I'd come to for professional advice. Not only just like personal advice, but professional advice. And then when my relationship fell apart, he would have been the first person I would have called. He was truly your person. He was. That's the best description. That was your guy. He was my guy. And I even, you know, and I think a lot of our family knew that. So there were, I had had a mixture of reactions at his funeral. A lot of people chose that time to, it's a very Jewish thing, to remind me that I was single. Oh, Lord. Oh. Too bad you don't have anybody to take care of you. Oh, I wish it was that nuanced. Oh. I had people say, I had people go, are you going to be okay? You're all alone. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Aunt Jill. Uh, that's your mom's name. That's my Thanks, mom. Aunt Betty. Betty, right. Uh, even How the rabbi. is that consoling? Oh, the <laughs> rabbi was like, oh, you're going to take care. And he meant well. He was like, you're going to take care of your mom, right? And I said. Oh, at least you can take care of your mom. Oh. You have all the free time. I. Yeah. yeah. Have, <laughs> truly. Do you have any idea how they're like, well, you're single. So you, you can. And I'm like. I think it's and I and I very calmly. You're like I know. I am. You're like wait what? <laughs> There's oh man this finger is barren. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I do that. I do that. I used to do that uh, at like Passover seder's and stuff when people go. I don't know why you're not like they would either say I don't know why you just can't find a good man and settle down. They would either say that or they'd say, well, you have a career. You don't need a man. Or they would say, why aren't you famous yet? It'd be one of those three. Oh. And my reaction to all of them would be like, I don't know. Why? Why do you think? Yeah. Oh, no. And then I would just stare at them like, uh, thoughts? Yeah. Questions? Concerns? Uh, I'd be like, what kind of reaction do you want out of me when you're saying that? <laughs> yeah. When you pass, people would be like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Or they would say, he's in a better place. Uh-huh. And, and this has been my dad's death and passing was not only a crash course in asking for help, but being able to receive help and really schooling me in what grief is like real seismic shift grief because, you know, one of my, my friends, uh, soon to be husband lost his mom, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, and I donated to their meal train and I donated to the foundation or whatever. And I like checked in, but I, I gave a lot of space and people do not know how to react to a parent passing or extreme grief. And they, they don't especially know don't know what to say when they have when it's because of FTD or oh, dementia. It, it scares everyone. It scares everyone. And dementia, there was dementia is now on the rise in the United States. There's like so I wonder if there could be a podcast. I wonder if there should be to a podcast. educate people. 
on dementia. You know, and it should have a good name, like "Don't Forget" or uh, "Don't Forget to Say the Right Thing." Don't forget to say the right thing, or something that rhymes with "shmumpemberfee." <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if they're no, but you're right. Like when I sit down and talk to someone one on one, and I can get them in a mode of like being real with me, and I ask the right questions because I've experienced this loss and grief. Everyone knows someone affected by a similar situation like this. Like there are, there are a lot of people out there living with dementia, but nobody's, we, we have not been trained on how to deal with this. How, what are the warning signs? How to deal with it once it gets diagnosed? And it is like much How to like support what, people, what to ask them. Yeah. Like, thank God for places like Hilarity for Charity and the Alzheimer's Association. And like my dad, my dad donated his brain to the Lewy body dementia. It's amazing. So they, he's like, figure out, find a cure. And I, one of the things that's changed drastically in my life because, okay, now I know that my dad's mom had dementia when she was older. Oh, I was going to say FGD is on the rise and dementia is on the rise in my friend group. All three of us, we lost our dads in the same week and all because of dementia or Alzheimer's in the same week. Wow. Yeah. It's just like they say it's not a casserole disease. I've never heard You've that. You've never like, heard this? Oh, you haven't? Oh, yeah. It's not, it's a, not a casserole disease. When someone has cancer, or, you know, Let me make you you'll bring oh. over a casserole. Yeah. Because dementia a lot of times can last a very long time. People don't know how to manage the behaviors. It's honestly, it's awkward. It's an Uber Eats it's, disease. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a don't want to see, but sure, I'll send you a, an Uber Eats card. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of the amount of Uber Eats that I have received. I mean, I I'm so grateful because I was like I the bandwidth I had to I. I was like, I need to order food. I need to not think about anything. And let's just eat Prince Street pizza and we'll be fine. So <laughs> what would you say, like, what do you wish your friends or other people maybe that you feel like don't understand what you went through? Like, what do you wish they knew or wish they asked you? I wish, you know, the rabbi said this really beautiful thing. And I thought, oh, this is a great piece of advice. Two pieces of advice. Um, a month after someone passes, you know, people tend to forget. So everybody kind of drops off like flies. So he would say things like, you know, put a reminder in your calendar every three or four weeks to like send a text to make a plan or something. You know, I wish, I wish I, I had, I, luckily I had a few friends that did this, you know, and it was also COVID. So we're keeping that in mind. Who would like invite me out on a walk or I'm an avid hiker, like to, to go hike or to go do something um, to take my mind off of things. And I had friends who just kind of dropped off the map. So I would say set a reminder on your phone. If someone's sick, if you have no one that's dealing with someone sick, like and check in on them every two weeks. And if I say yes. no, yeah. say it louder because yeah. just like you, people are there right when it happens. Right when the week after, the flowers are still coming, the meals, are, the meals are still coming, and you're like, okay, yeah, I can do this. It's easy. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm a little sad, and then everything stops. The phone calls, the text messages, yeah. the cards, and you're like, and that's another form of grief, right? Because you're like, you're, but wait, yeah. he's still dead, and this is when it gets like, now he's like, 
really dead. Really gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the moment everyone else goes back to their normal lives, yeah. it's annoying. the grief that hits it you. It hits you. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if you experienced this, but, like, I was just numb. Like, oh, I was yeah. absolutely numb. So, when everybody is, right after yeah. my, right after my mom died, I was numb. And were, did you have your son yet at the time, or were you? I did. Okay. So, and he was, like, two and a half. Oh. And I had to, you know, keep living. Right. That's like my sister. She's got keep two. Up. She had two under two when this happened. Or like, you know, my nephews were two and three. So she was busy, busy, busy. But, but like absolutely numb to the point where like if people work, like I don't, sometimes I go back. I don't know if this is weird. I look at the cards I got at that time and I read them and it's like I'm reading them for the first time because I was on another planet. Like I just... Maybe that was the trauma of it. Like, so I was with her when she passed. Like, I just could not process things that were happening. And then once it finally started to hit me, it was when I felt like most people were like, okay, we've moved, we've moved on. I think the difference is, so my dad had this for 11 years. So he was like very, I lived this for like a very long, long portion of my life. So right when he died, and I had also seen him like leading up to it and he, he, it just wasn't. So right when he died, I was like, okay, okay, we don't have to do this anymore. He doesn't have to live in the wheelchair. We don't have to. And then I was like, but wait, is he really dead? He's dead? Like it, it was a very odd, it was relief, but like the deepest sadness I've ever known. Do you know what? Like yeah. it, it hit me like okay, he's like, his body is done. Like he's off flying somewhere. And then it was like, but wait, when is he coming back? You know what I, like, yep. It is the numbness. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I'm, I wore the most uncomfortable outfit during my dad's funeral. I, I mean, the dress was cute. You know, black dress, black tights. I dyed my hair pink that day before my mom's funeral, but go ahead. But I also, I, (laughs) All I want to say is you do really weird stuff um, when this happens. I did. I scattered. My dad wanted his remains scattered a few different places. And so there was a place in Palm Springs. So his birthday was January. His 69th birthday would have been January 20th. So on his birthday, he wanted to be scattered it in Malibu. And then he wanted to be scattered uh, in Palm Springs and then in Kauai. And so. I mean, that's and then I think also he wanted to be buried where his his parents and sister and cousin and his nephew are also all buried in New York so you know he wanted to be in a few different places and so but the first place he had like a past life experience at this place in Palm Springs so I drove myself to Palm Springs to scatter his ashes on the windiest day. Oh, God. <laughs> You're like, close my eyes. So I don't get I mean, and here's the thing about, fun fact, uh, listeners, uh, human remains of a very different consistency than anything else you'll yeah. find in nature. So a girl took a fanny pack and a Ziploc bag and a can-do attitude. Yeah. And I went, <laughs> and I went to this place in Mom Springs, and it was like sacred ground. So I'm like saying prayers. I have a deep woo-woo streak as my family likes to say I have a big mystical streak and so I'm saying prayers and asking my dad like you got to tell me where you you had this past life experience where you need me to put these ashes because I don't know where this thing is and I'm 
like talking to the ancestors of the land. I'm like, I'm not trying to desecrate anything. Please just, you know, I'm trying to do right by my dad. It is a one mile loop and it is like an oasis in the middle of Palm Desert or Palm Springs. Oh. And there's like mountains of San Andreas Canyon. So hopefully oh. no one, because, you know, you technically have to. I didn't actually do this. Wait, right. wait, nudge, nudge. I just, we just walked around. That's all that happened. And my fanny pack fell open and I, whoops, whoopsie daisy. So it's super windy. And I'm like, all right, I get to the top of this ridge and it's a one mile loop, but it's like overlooking everything. It's really pretty. And I'm like, okay, I got to like put him somewhere. Yeah. And I played this like chant music that's like to help, you know, for passing on. This is like my weird thing I did was a Kundalini yoga, like chant mantra playing on my iPhone, which is beautiful. And then I found this rock and I put him on the rock. And the minute I opened the bag and put the ashes mm-hmm. near on that rock, which I didn't do, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did do it, the wind stopped. Mm-hmm. And then I backed away. And then the minute I backed away, I have a photo I'll show you. There was, there was a beam of light in the photo that can't I'll, – I'll have to show you, show you the picture. My mom shows the photo to so everybody. So you picked the right spot. I really hope so because I was so in my head about it. I was like, he'll get to this the spot. This sounds like beautiful, like with the music and the private land you weren't supposed to be on, but you yeah. know. I mean, I will, I've will. i rewatched his funeral a bunch. That's also something I've been doing. And home movies because I don't remember the funeral at all. Yeah. We That's what I'm talking about, the numbness. The like numbness, you're like, yeah. huh? I and I started writing, you know, because I when he the day he got hospitalized, I was like, he's gonna be here a couple of days and then he's gone, you know. I just, and it, it was, was a so few fast. months, a few more months, but I didn't want to be caught off guard, and I didn't want to because I knew I was actively going through trauma. I wanted to make sure that I wrote everything mm-hmm. down that I wanted to it's say really smart. and get everything everything down. Um, and yet I still feel like. Did I give him the right eulogy? There's so much more I could oh have said. God, and that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, I, I find myself in therapy saying, I wish I had more time. And the answer is there's never enough time, though, because I don't know if I would want more time with him being in the state he was at towards the end, because I knew he didn't. That's not what he wanted. But yeah, it is. It's it's, it's just it's a, bad. It's just a crazy, crazy journey. Yeah. Are we ready to switch into Rusty, yeah. who he yeah. was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good idea, if we're being honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know he's a yeah. ginger Jew. I mean, we have a lot of information about him. But our favorite question, what was he like as a dad? Rusty as a dad, my dad was the best. He was a, you know, he worked in the entertainment business. And so he was away a lot. But he would dedicate one weekend a month that would be like a daddy and Stacy weekend or a daddy and Rachel weekend. And... You know, he would take us on like a houseboat trip or we would go to Disneyland or we would go, you know, he would, he was the fun dad. He was the, I have advice for anything you need. And it's like practical, real advice. His laugh was infectious. Um, he exclusively was Donald Duck to every toddler in the world because he had a perfect Donald Duck voice and loved making babies laugh. Like people knew like, I'm going to see... So oh, the rusty, rusty. Yeah. and he's going to do that. If people wanted a good, if they wanted a laugh, if they wanted to get some love and kindness, my dad was 
that person. space. My, pa- my parents were those parents. My parents were the parents that everybody loved and gravitated towards. And I know there's a lot of beautiful things you do to like keep your dad close with you every day. I want you to share the thing about the flowers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And then also just tell us like, what else do you do to keep him close? Like, I know there's a lot of, <laughs> he's physically close to yeah. us right now. But um, that's a really good question. I, you know, so when my dad died, I got an influx of flowers. Just like the week he died, my place was surrounded with flowers, um, which I really loved. So I, I am obsessed with this app called Rakuten. Oh my gosh. So they 6% cash back with different flower deliveries. But you can do flower delivery. Oh yeah. You get 6% cash back. Girl, I'll tell you. Okay. okay. So for a while I was like, yeah, I'm going to, this is an expense I want. Uh, I, I want to spend money on flower arrangements. And what I would do is with the notes, I would ha- write them with things my dad would say to me and they would be from my dad. So when I would get flowers, they come from my dad. So that's... I'm going to start doing that. I mean... But like you do it far in advance. So do you it far kind in of advance, forget so about it. Like I forget it, right? about like, it. Like, yeah. So okay. when you do it far in advance, it's like, so this one I have here, it says, this too shall pass kid. And then it says dad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's brilliant. And because so, you know he would tell you that. He, yeah. There's that. That's and some amazing self-care right thank there. Thank you. But like, is there... Okay, I so I always like to take something... I feel like I take one thing from every episode. So yeah. like, I'm trying to think of examples. Like there was this one guy, Pete, with the deer and stuff like that. Like, Donald Duck. Well, a Donald Duck, I get. Okay. Okay, I'll take that. I take it. The thing I take... The takeaway with my dad... My dad loved people he loved people he loved the entertainment business my my dad in a non-creepy way he would watch people watch a movie he loved watching people enjoy entertainment and he loved the entertainment business so my take and he and he taught me that everybody on a film set no matter if they were the pa or if they were the financier or whatever director producer everybody is important it's all collaborative and when I started doing act, when I was a child actor, my dad said, the minute you complain, you're done. The minute you stop having fun, you're done. The minute your grades suffer, you're done. So he was able to give me really firm boundaries. I, I used to joke, when I first moved to LA, uh, I was working at a makeup counter. I was managing a, a, a high-end makeup counter at a department store. And there was an elderly gentleman. So I'm in my 20s at this point, And he was a good 40 to 50 years my senior who wanted to squire me about town. And I said, I'm deeply flattered. Because I do, I date, tend to date older anyway. I'm like, I cap it at like 15 years is like the cap. <laughs> you know? Like, give or take, right? I'm like, 30 is a, a bit much. I'm in my mid-30s now, so it's like, it's a little, that, that's, a, that's a huge life difference. But I said, you know, I, I said, sir, I'm flattered by your offer. I had a really great relationship with my dad. I had a great relationship with my grandfather. I have nothing I need to work out on that score. <laughs> but I feel like if you go to the fine handbag department, you might be able to find it. <laughs> Suit your needs. <laughs> and I wish you the best of luck. Oh, my God. So, but my dad, yeah. I. What do you think Rusty would be most proud of in terms of I know he has had an incredible career? What do you think was like the project that he was most proud of? I think my dad was, oh, it's going to make me cry. I think my dad was the proudest to be a grandpa. Like he, 
he was proudest being a dad and being a husband. And he was, you know, yeah, he worked on the Star Wars movies. So I have a lot of Star Wars memorabilia. So if any future husband of mine is a nerd, fingers crossed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not only ha- come with a cute, adorable dog, but I come with all of the fun film memorabilia you could ever want. So Amazing. any single men that are attuned to that, um, hit hint, me up. Hint, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. My dad. I mean, my, yeah. My my dad was always like, I, I, you know, he said he's like, you're gonna, you're gonna get married, and you'll do this when you need to. Like you, I'm not worried about you, kid. Is what he would say. But um, but he was. His, he loved his career, but that wasn't him. That wasn't who he was. No. That wasn't his identity. He loved his career. He loved helping people, but the thing he loved the most was being a family man. And he loved my... He was devoted and loved my mother so much, which set the bar for me of, like, that's the kind of relationship mm-hmm. I want, to mm-hmm. be in love like that. I can speak to that. Yep. And, and he loved his his grandsons he loved my nephews just with every fiber my youngest nephew they shared the same kind of like weird hysterical laugh yeah but he just loved his rusty family. how do you think rusty would want to be remembered my dad would want to be remembered as a family man who helped everyone around him he would want to be remembered as someone who made people's lives better because that was the effect that Rusty had. Everybody loved Rusty. It sounds like you have a really good idea of, like, you almost have your dad's voice in your head. Like, you know what he would say to you. That's why you can send yourself the flowers. Like, what do you think he would say to you right now about this phase of life that you're in and the phase of grief you're in? Like, what do you think he'd tell you? I think he would tell me what what the note says, that this too shall pass and that it'll be okay. I will be okay. And that it will be okay. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Rusty. Sorry. He's like, that was I my foot. Sorry, that He's was... like, no, <laughs> tell them about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, talk about Star Wars and all of the things I did for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. <laughs> you know what I want. You know what I want, yeah. He would want me to talk about Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft and Larry Gelbard and all these Dom Deloise. So we'd love to end on our loved one's words. I know you've talked a little bit about this last voicemail yeah would you like to play that for us now i would love to play that for you now hi what's going on with stacy elizabeth santonio dolly sandy something bored anyway um this is your father or as you like to say faja um it's somewhere after 2 o'clock in the afternoon and before 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I just was checking in to make you because I want you to make sure that you don't um, feel left out. Um, and uh, how nice it is to see you. And how great it is to listen to you sing. Amazing. Anyway, um, we're here. We'll call you. Call, call us when you're... Uh, of availability. Thanks, honey. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can learn more about Remember Me at RememberMeFTD.com or by following us on Instagram at RememberMePodcast. 
We release new episodes each week on Tuesdays, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can learn more information about our sponsors in the show notes and on our Instagram. This podcast is produced by Maria Kent Beers and Rachel Martinez, and the beautiful music you hear is a song called So Damn Lucky by Bailey Kent. I get to see her one more time to speak.